Hello world, this is Better Tech, a podcast where we chat with some of the most successful leaders about the latest industry developments. So join us as we explore the world reliant on tech. Hello everyone, welcome to Better Tech. So today we have Will with us. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So Will, before we dive into the topic, can you tell us something about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll give you, you know, sort of a quick background on on me and what led up to what we're doing now. Um, I've, I've worked in the financial services and um, fintech industry for 12 years. Over that time, um, I had the privilege to work on some of the bigger, you know, securities and banking players in the world, Charles Schwab, E-Trade, TD Ameritrade, um, among a bunch of others. And through all that time, I think there was always sort of a thesis in the back of my head that um, the financial industry, and really more specifically the fintech industry over the last decade, has done a fantastic job of um, democratizing access to financial products, um, to the masses, to retail investors, um, or whether it be banking products, lending products, to you know just the masses. And then at some point I said, well, you know, I, I think I've sort of done the big company thing and I wanted to go um, dive into startups and earlier stage stuff. I worked at a, um, a venture firm uh, while I was doing a master's degree. And that was really interesting seeing sort of like the investing side of things. Um, and then I worked at a company called Copper um, and Copper was um, at the time five employees, very young company um, and trying to solve the really the problem statement that probably matters to me more than any other one. And that's how do you educate young people about finance um, right. and how do you get them involved in financial products? And so I worked at Copper for a while and that was a really fun product to um, to work on and team to get to know. Um, and then I left and went to build Stack. Sure. So I was, I mean, going through your profile and I figured that you started with Deloitte. So Deloitte now is a hardcore consulting sort of uh, a company, right? And yep. then you ventured yourself into entrepreneurship. So how does that happen? What was your experience at Deloitte? How it is different in Stack? I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Deloitte, you know, of course, um, massive company, you know, I don't know what it's at these days, but I think it was like 500,000 employees worldwide. Um, so total opposite, right, of a five-person startup. Um, I think the way that you find yourself to the side of the table, um, you know, doing doing really early stage stuff, um, there, there was sort of a spirit ignited me while I was at Deloitte that um, allowed me to have a really good macro view of what was happening in the industry. And, and um, anybody that's worked in, you know, sort of the consulting client service business will... Um, we'll know what I'm talking about when I say you you have a lot of opportunity to meet a lot of different companies, right? And and to see their business model, see how they make money, see what their customers care about, see what they're building and new product releases. And all of that gave me, I think, a really comprehensive understanding of, of where I wanted to go make a change in the world. Um, and so, you know, the, the thing about entrepreneurship is it's school of hard knocks. There's no way to learn um, other than just doing it. And um, and starting something and really going for it. And um, I, I inched my way there slowly by working, you know, at a startup and adventure for a little bit. And then I just said, the only way I'm ever going to have this experience is for me to go do this. Um, and so that's that's really what, what happened next. So your current company stack, I mean, would you like to tell us more about that, what it is about? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, Stack is so um, the the very clear thesis that um, that I that I built Stack on was young people are very curious about cryptocurrency. Um, you know, full stop. That that statement right there. We um, I would conduct A/B tests on a few social media platforms, um, and I would just put one word: the word "stock" to crypto. And when I switched that one word, we get five times the engagement. And it was very clear that um, this audience was curious about cryptocurrency and blockchain and Web3 and all these words that are sort of buzzing around their social media feeds. Um, but no one had created a platform for them. And in the last five years, um, under 18 banks and under 18 broker dealers, so that's stock platforms and banking platforms, um, created multiple units. So they created multiple billion dollar companies that really specifically serve this niche of unraising finance, but no one had created a crypto exchange platform for them. And there's 309 crypto exchanges in the United States, um, and none of them had um, what's called a UTMA, uh, which allows you to attach an under-18 um, product to somebody in that traffic. And so that's what we did. We set out to be the first um, you know, UTMA-focused uh, crypto app been the journey of a lifetime out through that we uh it took us a year and a half to get live and that's just because you know to, to go do it the right way we felt like we needed to uh make sure that our product was really buttoned up that there was a you know high level of security there was um a few regulatory decisions that we made were actually regulated by the sec um and so all of those things have, have really led up to us being live now and now we're on the app store the apple app store and the android store um and anybody can check us out so um, how is like web3 different from crypto i mean whenever we hmm. we talk about crypto many people they basically confuse web3 with crypto saying that these are the same things so what yeah. do you think about it yeah it's, i mean it's a fantastic question the um you know i think web3 is uh is a word that still is a little bit ambiguous people on the inside of web3 to be honest um, cryptocurrency is actually, um, I think a little bit of a misnomer as a word too. So when you align those two and try to figure out what the difference between them, I, the one, the one place I actually like to focus, the one word I'm the most concerned with and the one that I try to educate most on is blockchain actually, right? Blockchain is the embedded technology behind all of this, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you think about the blockchain, what I love about the blockchain, you can read the Bitcoin white paper, you know, um, or you can, um, you know, read about other blockchains that are out there like Ethereum and some of the other really popular ones. And, but at its very core, all a blockchain really is, is an autonomous ledger, right, of data yeah. um, that really was created out of the um, the 90s where no one had, had really written data infrastructure to be communicated with each other, right? And so if um, if Charles Schwab, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo all want to, you know, communicate transactions of their customers to, together, yeah. what happened in the 90s was they all created their own internal, you know, mainframe systems that store data very differently. Um, and silly, silly things like, um, you know, not having first name, middle name, last name, versus first name and last name and no middle name, right? And two different companies can cause the data to not talk to each other, right? And so out of that was literally overnight born Plaid and Stripe and PayPal and all these companies yeah. that then bridged transactions across. 
um, but they were still very imperfect. And so the blockchain was really created to be that data highway, to be that core infrastructure that could have mm -hmm. transactions very natively digitally um, occur. And so when I think about the difference between Web3 and crypto, um, I mean, cryptocurrency is really just the name of the currency that, that exists on top of the blockchain. And Web3 is really, in my mind, it's um, it's anything that's really using blockchain technology, right? And so um, people have said, oh, well, maybe this would actually be a really good data infrastructure for um, social media, right? Or maybe this would be a really good data infrastructure for gaming. Um, mm. And so people have used a lot of other use cases, um, you know, out of contracts have been are, are another really interesting topic that I, um, you know, love to talk about too. And, and that's... Um, and I think that's kind of the core of what Web3 really is, just blockchain. So, I mean, uh, moving forward, I mean, where do you see the potential of Web3 really? I mean, um, as you said, these are like cryptocurrency, Web3, I mean, these are not inter interchangeable terms, but and blockchain, of course, is sort of the underlying foundation. Where do you see this going? I mean, uh, do you see like Web3 has some real potential in there or it's just like uh, a new thing or a new kid on the block which will just vanish with the passage of time yeah i think when people um when, when people think about what is the potential of blockchain or, or should i go buy bitcoin right is this and this is not financial advice by the way but um you know they, they say hey you know should i go buy one of these cryptocurrencies because it might go up in value i'd be exponential in value at some point um you know it's it's not an investing instrument and i think that's a really important thing to recognize um, these cryptocurrencies and, and our platform allows you to, you know, quite literally buy them and, and hold them, which feels like an investment to most people. Um, but really all it is, is it's like buying a share of Stripe or PayPal um, okay. in the early days of that company, right? And so um, are they going to be used by big banks or big financial players to go execute transactions for customers? That's the big question. If you look at what JP Morgan is doing, at what Wells Fargo is doing, at what MasterCard is doing, I mean, a lot of huge Goliaths in this industry, they're all building on top of the blockchain. So um, my, so from a purely finance perspective, because, you know, I could give maybe a very uneducated opinion about gaming or social media or some of these other use cases. I don't know those worlds. They're not my expertise. But from a purely financial perspective, I think, um, you know, it's really not a question of are they going to be used? It's how are they going to be used? Because they're already being built on, right? These companies are already embracing them. So my confidence in, in blockchain as a technology is absolute. Um, there is absolutely going to be, um, you know, ways that it's used. And it's really almost more of a question of how it's going to be used. Um, and really, again, the importance is when you buy a cryptocurrency, you are basically kind of investing in the underlying technology of what that blockchain does. And so um, Bitcoin is a really easy one to understand because there is no company, right, behind yeah. Bitcoin. It is, it's unique in that way. It is, it's like, what if Stripe didn't have a CEO, right? What if Stripe just was sort of this kind of open source code that um, did this really cool thing? I think that makes Bitcoin um, pretty unique. And then there's something like Ethereum, right? Ethereum does have a company yeah. behind it. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, Ethereum has this amazing technology with smart contracts that basically allows you to decide how to repurpose the blockchain to your function, right? And so um, I, I sort of think of those two as like Apple and Microsoft in the 90s when, you know, the internet was being built. These are the biggest um, industry players. My conviction that they're going to 
come out of this cryptocurrency, you know, building Web3 building period, um, you know, on top and, and probably having some pretty significant market value is very high. Um, and that's just because of who's building on them, who's using them already. How are they? Sure. So, I mean, what do you think are some of the key challenges or key risks in all this adaption? Hmm. I think the, the biggest risks that come to my mind when I think about blockchain, so one is regulatory risk. Um, and that's just, you know, a regulatory risk, obviously there's the United States regulation, there's GDPR over in yeah. the UK and, and Europe and everything. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's so many different, um, you know, things that I think it's almost going to be like country to country and potentially even state to state, um, on how cryptocurrency is actually accepted. Um, I'll say this. The financial industry, having been in it for my whole career, um, you know, my, my perspective on the financial industry is they're going to find a way to take their cut. And that's just how the financial system works. Um, they're, the, the confidence that I have in everybody in the United States or in the world having their own decentralized wallet that they go and send cryptocurrency to each other on is not how it's going to be used, in my opinion. Um, I think there's there's definitely use cases for using that, and there's going to be a smaller group of people that do use it that way. Um, but there's going to be a lot more people that get introduced to cryptocurrency and a blockchain through centralization. And centralization is, you know, obviously like a bank building on top of a blockchain or company building on top of a blockchain to make the front end of the product something that someone actually wants to use to make it a good user experience, good user interface. Um, and so that's where I really kind of see like you know the biggest problems right is um centralization means regulation that means um sifting through is it are things securities um you know and i think that really is probably the biggest and, and most centralized um you know question mark um outside of that think something like bitcoin i mean it's already built there is no company it's not changing um and so it's there but you know, nothing nothing about bitcoin um is going to surprise us right because the technology is already built um, and so it's really, how is it going to be used and how it's going to be adopted? Sure, sure. So, I mean, uh, we discussed that, um, I mean, people use terms interchangeably, Web3, crypto, uh, blockchain and everything. And now there's like something new coming up these days, which is very much talked about. And that's called an NFT. So, mm -hmm. I mean, where do you think this NFT fits into this Web3 universe? Yeah, I mean, um, NFTs, as we see them today, um, it's, you know, maybe maybe this is an unfair comparison, but I kind of think of NFT as something like, you know, a very old school web page on the internet. Right? Um, it, it's something that we're seeing the infancy of, you know, as a technology. Um, the way that it looks now is probably not how it's going to look long term is, is my two cents. Um, but I think they're really interesting. And I think where they're most interesting, and this is like, you know, some something that you'll probably hear from a million different people building in Web3 um, is NFTs are great for subscription programs. Um, and really, you know, it, it's like a very unique identifier, right? It's almost like a digital subscription to something or a digital membership um, that can't be replicated and that can be basically, you know, passed along to somebody else. Um, through, you know, different digital wallets. And so the, the technology behind an NFT, I think what's really compelling is 
you know, Nike wants to, like we saw their customers, they have an email list, right? That a lot of people go to their spam inbox or something and don't read the Nike email that they get half the time, or maybe around uh, the holidays or something, they want to buy somebody's shoes. They see if there's a discount, you know, or something, yeah. um, but their interaction with it is pretty low. I think what's interesting about NFTs is NFTs are a way to engage a customer um, in maybe a more meaningful way, you know, and, and do it um, over the long term um, and offer value to them, you know? And so if Nike, um, you know, can I isolate, oh, we have, um, you know, 100,000 teenagers that have this NFT because they bought a Nike product at one point. Um, we have LeBron James talking about what it's like to, you know, go achieve his dreams and remember him being a, you know, a high schooler or a teenager. Um, and we're going to give them access to this event because we think that's going to help them. We think that that's going to, you know, produce a lot of value. And then they're going to associate the Nike brand with LeBron James and give back to the community and, Whatever, right? I, I think those um, those use cases of NFTs are beautiful. I think they're very brands um, aligned. I think um, you know there's a long potential. Are they going to be you know animal art, you know, or pictures of monkeys and stuff? Um, I, I would be surprised if uh, if that was the real value, intrinsic value in them. Um, but I think the technology is definitely something. Essentially, I mean, an NFT could be subscriptions, as as you said. But I mean, in digital world, people are talking about images or videos being nfts so for example like there is an image on the web and you sort of claim its ownership and that is your nft and you purchase that for maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars so that is also uh, an area of nft which is getting very much traction in the youth especially so where do you see this particular concept going i mean subscription is one thing it has its tangible value or some benefit but on the other side these are all these digital assets i mean these are just images or videos so how do you compare yeah. the or what are your thoughts yeah i i think um i think like talking about nfts and the blockchain um it's kind of like talking about yeah, maybe this is an obtuse um comparison but like C++ and JavaScript back, you know, as, as technology is being built. There are two different languages that there are two different purposes, right? Um, there, it, there's something about saying, hey, um, this is what is on top of an NFT, which is an image or a video or something. Um, that, that's just like the thing that helps you recognize that you have this thing, right? And so if Nike sends you an NFT of, you know, LeBron James's dunk in a, in a basketball game, right? And that's the NFT that you hold. That is symbolic of your membership, right? Just like a membership card that you would have. Um, and and what it, and really what I think the value is, is what does it offer you long-term? Because yeah, you can watch that video once or you can go watch it again. Um, but owning that digital identifier belonging to this exclusive program, to this membership, um, I mean, what's different about American Express on their card saying you've been a member since, you know, 2010? Um, they say it because they would think that memberships is something that people highly value, that they covet and something that they can offer better rewards to their longer standing customers um, that have been loyal to them. And so I think that's really where the NFT cross section is. Um, you know, when people think of it as images and videos, that's just what's, that's the front end, if you will, right? That's just what is interacting with them um, via NFT technology. But NFTs and blockchain, um, these are just digital technologies that um, I think are meant to make it much easier for us to exist in a, in really a purely digital. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. And and I mean, that brings me to my next question that all of these uh, things, I mean, uh, they basically relate back to education somehow. I mean, people need to be trained or told about like what these things are, uh, why they are different, what are their benefits, etc. So, and especially their application in the fintech domain. So what do you think, I mean, from an educational standpoint, the importance of uh, clar clarifying these concepts from a fintech perspective or a fintech industry perspective? What are your thoughts? <laughs> Solving education, especially for young people, is the, first of all, I think it's the biggest um, problem statement that you can take on right now. Um, because the disparity of education that a, the 1% of the world, the wealthiest 1% is getting and educating themselves on about digital technology, NFTs, the blockchain, versus somebody that's maybe, you know, in the middle 50% of wealth, you know, an average person is so enormous, the amount, the amount of education that that 1% gets and that, that, you know, 50% does not get. Um, and so I think the, the capability of what technology can do, which is amazing, is we all have these phones in our hands, right? So yeah. if you can educate someone through their phone and you can democratize access to education the same way that you've democratized access to financial products or so many other things. That's what really gets me excited. That's what gets me up in the morning. Um, and, and so attaching that to rewards is one thing that we have um, found incredibly successful, really specifically with this generation. Um, because I'll tell you right now, you know, as a millennial, um, I don't know that a $5 reward would get me excited about doing education, to be honest. Um, but to a, a teenager, it's, it's, it's exciting and, um, and it's proven in our early app um, time and time again. I mean, we have 65% of teenagers using what will be probably the lowest level uh, version of our education product. Um, and the only reason they're engaging in this is because they get a reward. They get free cryptocurrency out of it. Um, and so even that the learn to earn um, function actually does work. And I think the next biggest thing that we absolutely have not figured out yet, but is the one that I'm the most interested in is how do you win 30 seconds to a minute of a teenager's day, but, but teach them one lesson that's going to stick with Right. And so maybe it's that Bitcoin is, you know, a data highway, or maybe it's that Ethereum is for B2B transactions primarily as its use case. Like what whatever the last thing you want to teach about the blockchain or NFTs or whatever it is. Um, but but attaching that to this reward and then winning that one moment and and really getting through their brain because a teenager sits in class for eight, nine hours a day, right? And they probably get drilled with all this information and not all of it's good, obviously. Um, and so the way that if you can prove that you can actually teach somebody something in that quick of a period of time on their phone, that's success, in my opinion. So, I mean, in the end, I would really like to know, like, what your plans are in the future for Stack. Where do you see the company going? What new products or features you will be adding in the product and how you see it coming? Power in the future. Um, and so you get to know your customer base really well. Um, mm -hmm. but then we also serve a parent, right? We serve a teenager just as much as we serve a parent because a parent has a cosign on all of our accounts. And so we need to do right by both of them. A teenager wants cryptocurrency. They want to make money. They want a side hustle. Um, and a parent wants education and they want their kid, you know, to have them. the most yeah. in the world. And so you're constantly balancing those two things on the platform. 
Um, and so living on the edge, living in this kind of crazy web three world that, um, you know, honestly, for somebody that's even building in it, sometimes it's hard to, to, to stay current with all the technology that's being built and understanding all of it. Um, and so bearing that burden, teaching the group, I think is, is the biggest thing that we care about as a platform. Uh, and attaching that directly to a financial product. Because even though students don't want to learn about Bitcoin class, um, as much as you know, teachers might want to teach it. Kids want to learn about Bitcoin right before they print. And they want to learn it in thirty seconds, and they want to learn it enough so that they have confidence and conviction in what they're buying. And sure. so, if you can do that just in time, bite-sized learning on our platform, that's I think where where we're going to a lot of time and where um, the future of our app. So there must be many teenagers listening to your podcast as well. So any closing message for them and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I would just say um, being a teenager, you know, it, it's not something that, um, you know, I even forget having been a teenager, you know, now like uh, over a decade ago, I think there's, um, there's something to that period of time where you're, you're learning a lot. A lot of people are, um, you know, your, your schedule is often really busy or in school, you might be playing sports, yeah. you're thinking about college, your job, it's a lot of pressure. Right. Um, and so I think in that time to be really kind to yourself, um, mm-hmm. and to invest in long-term future is the most essential component of anything that you can do. And so whether it's on the stack platform or whether you're on any other platform, I think learning about finance in a modern world is an absolute must. It is a survival mechanism. Um, and you have to learn about it. You have to learn how the system works. You have to know, um, you know, what, what is under the hood technology wise too, because it's going to empower you. Um, and so I would, my message to every teenager would be, you know, obviously like learn financial education, whether it's on stack or anywhere else, because that, that's really the goal at the end of the day. So, well, in the end, I would like to really thank you for your time today and enlightening us with your thoughts about Web3, blockchain, crypto, and fintech in general. So, thanks a lot. Thanks so much for having me, Asib. It was great. Thanks. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to Tech. We look forward to bringing you the latest industry news in our next episode. In the meantime, Check out our other episodes at techcell.com slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you never miss an episode.